gender pay cat who likes to sit in the corner <laughs> and shit in a box. He has a pipe and high heels. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's Grape Culture Podcast, the podcast where three women drink wine and discuss feminist literature and issues. I am Sam. I'm Kim. And I'm Alex. And we hope you enjoy the episode. This week's show we're going to be talking about the gender pay gap and unequal pay but before we get into that we are going to drink some wine and we have two ominous looking bottles of this <laughs> uh, which kim sent me to buy kim do you want to explain why you chose these yes um so i have chosen the red and white versions of the timekeeper red from sainsbury's um for anyone who's been in a Sainsbury's, you probably already know that this is uh, what's commonly known as the cheap shit of the wine world. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no grape variety. It's British wine, simply referred to as red and white. It's very much table wine and um, it costs about £3.50 per bottle. Oh, joy. Which I was going to reveal later. But the reason that I chose these is... For a few reasons. Originally, it was just because of the name, um, because Timekeeper, the impetus for us talking about the gender pay gap at this moment in time is that um, we've just passed the day that, due to the gender pay gap, essentially... The gender pay gap? <laughs> due to the gender pay gap. <laughs> Silly cat. Um, due to the gender pay gap, women are essentially now working for free. From, till the end of the year, from yeah. November 4th, I think it is. It is November 4th. Oh um, my god, I didn't actually know that. Mm-hmm. My my thinking was, you know, like, timekeeping is part of working and timesheets and everything like that, and we're, yeah. we're clocking our hours. And then yeah. the more I started thinking about this, the more I was like, well, it's the cheap shit wine, because um, women historically get paid less, and therefore <laughs> we can't shit. afford the, the expensive stuff. <laughs> Um, so fuck that. And also it's a slightly lower alcohol wine because, um, we need to drink a lot of it to get through life. We don't need to. No, we do. We choose to. Because we're not being paid properly. Because we're independent women. So we're going and spending our £3.50 an hour on grog. Yes. There were a lot more reasons than that that I had really worked out on the bus home. Um, and then I forgot. So we have a red and a white, helpfully called red and white. Um, For the purposes of this episode and for the sake of equality, I'm going to let my lovely co-host choose which ones they want to drink. And we're just going to open them both at the same time. But before I do that, I'm going to read the descriptions on the back. So I will start with the white because I think Alex is uh, gagging for a a (laughs) glass of wine. I mean, I thought that was the end. I was ready. White. This crisp, fragrant white is ideal on its own or as an accompaniment to chicken, pasta or fish, best served chilled. The end. Is it chilled? No. Oh, great. <laughs> so that's the white. The red is... This soft, juicy red is ideal on its own or as an accompaniment to red meat, casseroles and cheeses. Serve at room temperature. And uh, my favourite part about both wine nibbles is the British wine made with imported grape juice. Oh... <laughs> it is vegan. Both the red and the white are vegan. Fab. So, without further ado, I'm Worth going to every uh, penny. pour you each a glass of this wine that I've really, really sold to you. <laughs> it might be delish. Probably not. For the for the listeners at home, Alex and Sam have both gone for the white. Yep. I've yes. gone for the red. Jeez. Shocker. Bottoms up. See you on the other side. 
Why is it so sweet? Oh gosh, the aftertaste. I drank it and I was like, Ooh. oh, oh, downhill. Yeah. Does the white smell of anything? Death. Nope. It smells like empty. <laughs> no, it smells. No, it's a... it smells like the void. <laughs> oh, do you know what? No, I'm so I'm too confused. What are we drinking? Red oh, wine without smells... a nose is weird. It smells like you know when you've like sweated in some workout gear and left it somewhere. No, no. because I don't work out. Oh, it doesn't it smell like sweat. Old sweat. Does it actually smell like anything? Because wow. I can't smell anything. It does. It smells like old sweat. It's no worse than the alcohol-free wine. Would that you I've like had to try the wine? Not really. Okay. I, I mean, like, I will. I feel like it's um, mm. it's still not the worst wine we've had on this podcast. It's not though, is it? Yeah. It and just it is the cheapest. It's bland. Yeah. Mm. I actually think some of the mm. most expensive wine we've had is the worst. God, that's really fucking sweet. Yeah, it's really sweet. God, it tastes like Panda Pops. I miss Panda Pops. It's not as awful as we were expecting, but it's also not great, I think. I don't think... Much like the gender pay gap. (laughs) Oh, nice segue, Kim. Carry on. (laughs) So we're talking about unequal pay and the gender pay gap, but they're not the same thing. Uh, Does anyone want to give me the definition of unequal pay versus the gender pay gap and why we need to talk about them separately? Um, well, there was a law, wasn't there, that meant that there couldn't be unequal pay depending on your gender. But what is unequal pay? Uh, for doing the same job, mm. you have to be paid the same, uh, regardless of if you're male or female. Whereas the gender pay gap refers to if you were to take an average within a company, um, what women and men are paid, I believe. So, yes, as Alex um, summed up there, it's a difference between the pay you get for doing the same job and just general pay within a company or within a society. Um, and I think the gender pay gap is quite often attributed to the fact that there were more women in lower ranking positions. So you've got more men in management, senior management and upwards, which means they get paid more. Um, and and more women, so women part-time it, roles as well. More women in part-time roles and more women in lower paid industries and lower paid jobs mm. um a look of distaste kim is that the wine or the topic both i have a lot of feelings about the whole women are traditionally in section of this conversation but we'll get to that in a minute i think that's yeah um we can explore that sentiment but yeah that's essentially the difference um and so unequal pay is something that is i think you can prosecute yeah for if a lawyer do, if, if a lawyer if an employer does that um, and you're being paid less as a woman or as a man or as any person for the same job that one of your colleagues is doing. But the gender pay gap itself is slightly more uh, nuanced, I guess, mm. than that. Um, and I think in the UK, uh, I'm trying to remember the stat off the top of my 17? head, but it's 70... Women are paid basically between 70 and 80% of what yeah. men are paid yeah um, which as a 83%, 83% I think it was because it's 17% was the gender pay gap figure mm. for if you include part time right. figures if you exclude part time figures then it's 8 or 9% okay so it's 80 to 90 right percent less okay 
because I've read confl- conflicting statistics. That's the one that I remember anyway. I but... think that's the one I in the article d- I, I read, think, but I've yeah. definitely read it. It's like I've read somewhere else, like seventy three. I think it's ge- yeah, it's genuinely like... it's generally accepted to, to be between seventy five and ninety. Yeah, and so eighty kind of falls happily in that. Yes. First thing, I guess. What? Oh, shut up, ambulance. Um, <laughs> Keep that in. <laughs> shut up, ambulance. <laughs> so I suppose talking about personal experience, has anyone ever, I suppose, been aware or um, realised that it's something within a company that they've worked for in the past? So the first, quote, real job I had, it wasn't a real job, we all had it, um, was working in a place where there were no men. Uh, it was an all-female role, but the person running the company was a man and was therefore on... Mm. Well, not he was therefore on significant... So he was on significantly more money because he owned the business. So that job, I, it was really hard to tell because there was no sort of basis for comparison, really. I, before that, I had, like, part-time uni jobs and stuff because I've, work- <laughs> I've been working since I was 16. But you know what I mean? Like, in those kind of part-time jobs up until you graduate. And it's hard to tell then because... You're not going to go in at a high-paid level when you're 16 and working in a shop. Mm. Um, and then... And everyone's paid essentially minimum wage. Exactly. Uh, a minimum wage under the age of 18 is fuck all anyway. Um, and then I went into an agency where... It was a design agency where most of the people... Most of the designers in there were men. There were about three women on the entire staff. Maybe five. Didn't count. Um and there and were about 20 something men so they all got paid a lot more because they were the creatives and the designers and the women were the administrators which is kind of a trend that I think a lot of companies see, not yeah. all companies but um, can be yeah we'll talk mm. about traditionally female roles in mm. a bit I think mm. and, then, uh, and then I worked for a company that was again pretty much all women one man so again difficult to judge and I was definitely paid more than most of the people there at that point and now I'm at a company that's fairly evenly split so So something you haven't necessarily been aware of in the past it's not the gap between genders has not been my concern the gap between experience levels has been more of a concern to me and that is the same for men and women in the places you've worked what about you, Kimberly? So, aside from the aforementioned job that we've all shared, um, I've worked in a couple of places in which predominantly the company was men, and they were definitely, you know, being paid shit tons more than any of the women in that company could ever hope to see, mm. um, and there wasn't room for any of the women in that com- those companies to move up either mm. and they weren't so um one company was i mean other this is aside from like bar jobs and whatever but like one company i worked there on a short-term contract um and i was doing the administration and stuff and there really were like three or four consultants and the director's wife who kind of did stuff but not really and that was it there were no other women in the company and then me, and I was obviously there on a short-term contract, so fuck it. Um, and then the other other company I worked for, there were about five women in a company of about 20. 
I want to say. Wow. Um, Myself included, and I didn't even officially work. Like, I was... I was employed through one of the director's sub-companies and blah, blah, blah. I was all... So basically temping. Well, it wasn't temping. I was there for two years. Um, But it was just the way that... The way... the, the, The... Technically, who I was employed by was different. There wasn't unequal pay in the terms of people doing the same jobs, getting the same amount of pay. But there was definitely a major like disparity in the opportunities afforded to women and the the women at senior level. Um, and I wasn't super, you know, obviously I didn't know what everyone made at that point. So, but I know I know that the the pay gap would have been like way 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 above the average mm. in that respect. So I have been working since I was fourteen, and a running joke at my current job is that I have literally worked in every single industry and had every single job under the sun. I, like, I've dressed as a giant lemur. (laughs) I have done face painting at children's birthday parties. I've been a swimming instructor. I've worked in marketing for, like, sports companies. I have worked for a printing company. We're not talking the fun kind. We're talking they made printers. (laughs) And I worked on the front desk and had to put people through who had a damaged printer or something that was wrong. Wow, you really do live. I have lived the, the dream. Um, and also done all the bar jobs and clothes shops and various other kind of marketing and uh, administrator roles and freelance. Assistant uh, filmmaker. Assistant filmmaker, directing, practitioner, producer, like literally every single job under the sun. Um which is fun. Uh, I expect, ugh, The trouble is, is I moved around jobs and um, industries so often um, that I haven't necessarily been aware of a kind of difference in feeling like I was treated differently in my kind of pay and ability to move up the ladder as a woman. Um, my first proper role was for a pharmaceutical company which I got paid lots of money for before I even went to uni and was offered more money than I am currently on now oh, really? to not go to university and stay in the company. Um, but I didn't want to work for a pharmaceutical company. I wanted to go into the arts, which also is paid terribly. Um, but many companies I have worked for have been headed by women. Um, I have always had strong female kind of leaders which is really lovely and inspiring. Um, and so I suppose, in a nutshell, I feel like I haven't necessarily experienced uh, feeling, you know, paid less or appreciated less because I'm a woman. In either of your roles, have you ever been in a position, not necessarily where you felt like you were, like it was a financial thing, but where there was an opportunity to progress or something within the company, like even just within a project or something in a company, um, where you felt very aware of being a woman in that situation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no. Do you you ever feel like it played into your work life? Has it ever played into your work life? Yes. Okay. But funnily enough, not not in any of the office jobs that I've had, because in the office jobs that I've had, there's been very apparent that there was no progression for the most part, um, which is generally fine if you take the kind of roles that I take. Like, 
it's fine. But um, when, when I was working in the bar and I was like I was clearly there for the long haul and I and they were losing senior staff left right and center and I was like train me and they were like oh but it involves like changing barrels and stuff and I was like yeah and and they were like oh well it's just it's, it's oh, it's in, like heavy lifting yeah and I was oh, like oh bullshit well like you should you should like I shouldn't be I should I, I can't be trained as senior staff because I wouldn't be able to change a beer Your barrel. Poor physicality won't be able uh, to, to which it. I was like, go fuck yourself, I'll change My a beer barrel by myself. A baby, but not a beer barrel. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you sound like a wicked weed. But like <laughs> that was an odd one anyway. That was yeah. an odd situation. I mean bar bar work is bar work. But yes there. And then I guess to an extent I have felt, again, in in the in the worst job we all ever had, I have felt <laughs> aware, very aware of my status as a woman and whether or not I was going to have my. It was. It's normally about feelings. Are your feelings going to get in the way of you doing something? Wow. Like to actually to actually ask. This comes back to the assertiveness thing. Yeah, it? it's yeah. like in order to actually have the conversation, in order to progress. I've been blocked because they don't want to entertain the conversation about your feelings and that's all that sort quite, of stuff. I, I, and just, I just, that's just, I've never, but I've never come, up, I've never come up against like, oh, but you're planning to have a baby anytime soon or anything like that. I'd say maybe in the company in which I mentioned before, in which there are about five or six women and then the rest were men, um, there was definitely a level of boys clubbery about it. Okay, and um three or so of those five or so women were hired after I was like it was it was very much a like new young blood maybe we should try something different maybe we should get those dames in the women yeah um (laughs) there was a weird vibe about Mm. some of that anyway and I, I mean I'm I'm not calling this company out on any actual illegal discrimination or me tooing or anything like that I am talking just like that feeling that you get when you're around men of a certain age where you're a little bit like, mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Mm. And some of them were great and absolutely fine, upstanding members of society and wouldn't hurt a fly and certainly wouldn't never um, make young women feel uncomfortable. There were t- I think if I, because in the past I've, I've gone up against men for a job um, and it has... I've been a very aware of that fact and it's not necessarily that that's because that's the way I've been made to feel by the employer or by whatever but it's because I, I feel like I have more to prove mm. for whatever reason oh yes absolutely um, I feel like I have to prove that I'm not I think I think my in my head the preconception is I have to prove that not only can I get the job done but that I um innovative and exciting enough to be able to come up with new ideas as well and I, I know that seems like something that is just a general job required. you feel like, like you have to do something but more than what the job is asking for it feels for. like yes and I you have, have to, to go be above to, and beyond to use a horrible horrible corporate phrase think outside the box yeah. and be able to bring extra value whereas a man will just turn up and be like look I did a thing and it's like we talked about again in our assertiveness episode of, of the fact that um uh a woman, if she's going for a job, 
typically, and I can't remember where the statistic came from, but she yeah, will she will prepare hundred percent, hundred and ten percent, whatever. I know that's not a real number, mm. but will go above and beyond what is expected. Whereas quite often a man will not and wing it because... at eighty and think that well, he did a great job. Yes, exactly. Um, and that's not all. You know, that's not everyone. That's not indicative of every kind of work ethic. But I think I've always been very aware of that particularly when it comes to progression mm. i'm also very aware of it in a professional environment when i have to bring up an issue with a male colleague mm. so if i have to um talk about i don't know so it, it goes both ways so if they've been underperforming whether they are at my level at a more junior level or at a more senior level not that I would go up to my director and be like, you're a fucking idiot. But, um, <laughs> would that we could. Oh, would that we could. Would, oh my God, I would love to. Not currently. But, but... Not currently. I'm always, I always think very, very carefully about what I'm going to say and how I'm going to present it. If it's a woman, I'll be like, oh, I'll just take her to one side. It'll, you know, I'll have, I will go and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. I will talk to them in person. If it's a man, I'm much more likely to send an email. Mm. Oh, really? Conflict yeah. avoidance. And, yeah. um, what and you I think just... it's because I don't want to be misunderstood. Yeah. What you just said, though, reminded me, like, uh, dealing with other people and managing conflict and managing discipline and everything is exactly the situation where I have come up against this in my last job um, at the worst place ever. Uh, Because... It's the worst place (laughs) in the world. Um, Because on I can think of a myriad of occasions, but I can think of two in particular. Number one was trying to manage someone's performance and getting shit back for (laughs) for that. Wasn't that a man? (laughs) From a man. And number two, trying to speak to my boss at the time about how we manage performance and everything. And his response was basically just oh, well, some guys just don't like to be managed by women. And that was just fine. Like, just mm. leave it at that. Like, just don't yeah. say anything. Oh, and I was just like, um, no, how about you just fire him? That'd be great. Thanks. I think being in a position of seniority when you're a woman does come with a lot of challenges. And I think being in a position of seniority generally does. But obviously, speaking as a woman, and we're all in positions where we... Are we either responsible for people or we have to sometimes lay down the law? Um, and I think sometimes we're just more aware of it and it becomes harder. I don't know mm. if you guys agree. Well, we're, we're trained. I mean, this is steering off the gender pay gap thing. But yeah, we're, it's we're more trained. about inequality in the workforce. Yeah, we're trained it? to... But it's to do with that gap in the management thing and, and, and feeling like we positions. can ask for yeah. like, we're, we're trained to nicely nicely yeah. it's exactly what we talked about in the assertive essay we're trained to be nicely nicely and not offend people and, and stay inside our, our lane and and nurture um and and sometimes it feels that disciplining or managing people um goes against that grain because you're a bitch or whatever so alex you a lot of what you do is to do with um, you work with young people. Mm-hmm. Um, do you? I know you're not necessarily um, leading them workshops all the time, all the time, or directly interacting with them. But do you have a difference in the way you you interact with different genders at work? Not at all, actually. Um, and I suppose that's probably why I've been a little bit quiet when you've been talking about it because now and actually. I feel in every job, I've I've never, 
I haven't really ever felt aware of it. I'm not saying it didn't, it doesn't and hasn't existed as a thing that maybe uh, women are paid less overall or aren't able to progress or whatever it might be. Um, but it's something that I have fortunately not felt affected by. I don't know, I know Alex, you've had a lot of experience being freelance. You talked at the beginning about the many, many jobs you've done, a lot of them being freelance. Mm. Uh, Kim, I think when it comes to actual freelancing, maybe slightly less Yeah, definitely. And I've done a reasonable amount of freelance. And freelance is a weird one when it comes to talking about gender and pay because um, freelancing, where you set your own rates, you basically have to estimate your own worth. Yeah, that's and interesting. You, I, I don't know if, if, again, this is something that either of you have ever done where you're like, shit, I don't know what to charge these people. Um, yeah. I will, okay, well, if I was being employed by them, I'd be paid this much. If I were doing this, I'd do this much, but I've got to take into account tax and the fact I don't get holiday for this and la 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 la. And then you Google it and you look up the average and you work out <laughs> it's like this insane mathematical equation to try and work out how much is fair. And I have definitely pitched under what is fair just to make sure i get the work yeah i've done that as well yeah because i will i will underprice myself whereas i think and again this is a generalization and i have absolutely no data for this this is just supposition based on my own brain hole which is (laughs) that i think a man would do the opposite and price himself i I don't know you say that though but like also um now i'm in a position where i employ freelancers and i actually find again only the statistic of what I know in my inbox, um, women have been more likely to push for a higher rate. Really? And have then pushed for expenditure, like travel and stuff like that. Whereas in the past, I've actually found that men haven't questioned it at all. See, I, I ordinarily, I would probably be on your side, Sam, and be like, yeah, no, definitely, that's what men do. But hashtag not all men, because I know male freelancers who I know definitely are underselling themselves. Right. So, um, and do it because, partially because of the love of the work, but partially because they don't, like, they don't want to lose the work. And, but the difference there is maybe that for most of these people that I'm speaking about, um, it's not their only source of income. Right. I don't know if it would be different, therefore, if it were. There's a few reasons, I say reasons, like there need to be fucking reasons, but there there are a few reasons that are p- posited by people as to why the pay gap, the gender pay gap particularly, exists. Um, and also, I should probably mention at this point that it's not just, it's, it's not all women being paid the same amount less, it differs across races as well, so mm-hmm. white women have the, the pay gap is less, um, other ethnicities get paid Less and less and less and less. So what should, I think we should probably talk about the reasons that, that we're given. And one of them is that um, there are more women in, quote, lower paid industries. Mm-hmm. Or there are fewer women in the higher paid industries. So what do we think about that as a statistic? And what do we think about that as, as, as a reason, if it can be? I think in terms of coming from a point of view of having so many jobs um, in such a variety of industries, Mm. um, when I've worked in the kind of sciences, there were definitely more men. And working in the arts, although my kind of 
uh, at the moment, my current position is very equal. It has predominantly been led by women. And also I spend a lot of time uh, within the education system and talking to schools and stuff like that. And very quite, uh, you know, just from my own personal experience, are highly dominated by women. And so the arts and education are, you know, famously lower paid than sciences. Um I've worked in IT and stuff like that and that's all been like more male dominated. Um so yes, I think I've definitely seen that. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Kim, how about you? Cuz I know that this was a a, fa- a stat or subject thought that you were like. Yes. Nope. Fuck them. <laughs> Shan't have it. Um Yeah. I'm going to unpack this for a minute. And I'm going to start by reading the 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 paragraph that I screenshot from one of the articles that Sam sent us, which is, of course, disparity in pay between men and women across is not a simple issue. Women are more likely to be primary caregivers in their families and historically have been more likely to work in sectors of the economy that are lower paid generally, but they are also far more likely to be confronted with the corporate glass ceiling, to be passed over for promotions by male bosses and to be paid less for doing the same work as men. And then it, it goes on to stats. Now, so that's that was two paragraphs. It's the, of course... Of course, the disparity. Yeah. Like, this is just a thing that, ha- like... Boys will be boys. Women are but just I'd... more likely to be more... Women are just more likely to be primary care. Yeah, I mean, the writing is likely... bad, but they are, in terms of the, the stats. Yeah, but... But, that's but it's not language, okay. it's language no, 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 like that no, no, that no, does make just, it. That's yeah. not okay. Like, the that's not... That's accepted in every article that we've read. It's... Well, women are more likely to be primary care given some women work in lower paid industries. Why? Why are those the lower paid industries and why are the women having to, like, working in those? And why are the ones that the women are working in somehow the lower paid industries? Why is that just an accepted thing and we're all just fine with that? Why is it okay that teachers and the arts, Alex, are being paid so much less? And I no, know I that totally, you have a thing. totally agree because with you. Because the arts, only, you only start to get paid less in the arts if you go into fucking Hollywood or whatever. And I just, it really, really bugs me because the same amount of work, the same amount of education goes into all of these things. Like, Mm. teachers are literally framing the minds of children. And, like, it just bothers me that taking it separate from gender, that there are industries that people are just like, eh, that's fine, it's just lower paid. That the whole logic behind... Oh, well, of course. It's the of course of it. Yeah, and it's the assumption, isn't it? Yeah. The fact that women are in these industries... we It's a horrible Mobius strip of horribleness. Or whatever it is. The, the, the snake eating its tail, which is, you know, like... The Ouroboros. Yeah, you know, women goes into the industry because it's the only job they're going to get. They're lower paid. There's more women in that industry. And so it's perceived as a female industry. And so more women go into that industry. And ditto on the other side, you know, you've got like, women can't break into STEM. So women don't go into STEM. So the ste- everyone in higher up in STEM is a man. And so they don't hire young women. And so women don't go into STEM. And blah, 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 blah. And it's horrible and it's terrible and I hate it and I hate... I hate it and I think we're all on, you know, we're all in agreement that that's bullshit. Well, yeah. But the issue that I have is that... It's the it's acceptance. Not, it's the acceptance. Yeah. And it's easy to be like, oh, it's bad writing, it's just the language. But as a... But it's if true, you're a journalist reporting on the gender pay gap, there should be no of course 
No, of course. Like, <laughs> of course. Of course. Of course there should be no... You should co- be neutral in your gender and language. I just think... I just think that we need to, as a society... Be more better. Check ourselves when we use this kind of language. It's the same kind of thing where you have to check yourself when you think something about a person. Then you're like, do I think that? Or do I just think that because the media is telling me or the world is telling me or I was grown up to think this? You have to, you have to police your language because it is, what's the word? internalized misogyny there you go Mm -hmm. and i which reminds me of my personal favorite comment that's ever been said to a small child that i know of um and i'm heavily sarcastic at this point which is she said the little girl said i want to be a doctor when i grow up and some bloody adult in her orbit said little girls grow up to be nurses little boys grow up to be doctors oh recent this is a modern thing is this someone you know? Yeah. Because she said, I want to be a doctor when I grow up. In fact, what she said to me, it, the reason it came about was because she said to me, I, you know, having the conversation that you have with however old they are, seven, year, seven years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a, a proper doctor, not a nurse. Hmm. Okay, so before we potentially have a break, um, what did you want to be when you were younger, when you grew up? <laughs> I was torn. I wanted to be a. I wanted to be a vet. That was my first thing. Didn't we all? Didn't we? Who didn't want to be a vet? I didn't. Actually, a lot of kids, uh, a lot of girls. Not many men I knew growing up. Men. I, I knew. did. Not I many eight-year-old <laughs> boys called Robin in the playground wanted to be called. <laughs> wanted to be a vet. Um, a vet, a writer, and for a time I wanted to be in the army. Oh. Sure. Vet at one point, obviously. Yes, classic. Um, I think. Grow out of that pretty, like, that was like, oh, blood, gross. Animals die. Don't want to be part of that. Um, and then... I got put off at one point. told me I had to do maths. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're oh, right. Oh, no, no. I got put it way before I realised oh, right, it involved okay. maths. Um, I think Singer was probably in there at some point. Like, definitely was convinced that I could be a singer. And then... I think I dab- dabbled in thinking that I would be a writer, but never really believed it. And then... Got into CSI and was like, definitely going to be some kind of forensic scientist. <laughs> yeah, of course. I love CSI. Ignored the, so the scientist part of that. Then I got a D in chemistry. Then I was like, mm, fuck to find it. <laughs> and then lecturer for several years. And, Surely and... being a forensic scientist is just turning up at a crime scene, whipping off your sunglasses and making a pun. Or putting yeah. them on and making a pun. I think it would be great at that. Yeah, perfect. Alex, how about you? What was your dream? I... Before I got shattered by <laughs> real life. <laughs> um... Mind you, when I say to people what I do that knew me as a child, they go, well, of course that's what you were going to do. That's always what you were going to do. No one Which says is that quite nice. And, uh, <laughs> and I always knew you'd grow up to be in HR and people management. No. Um, I wanted to, I never wanted to be a vet, considering I was super mm. into animal rights. And you're a vegan. <laughs> yeah. And was vegetarian from the age of five when yeah. I saw a video at school and was like, no, no. Uh, so I didn't want to be that. I wanted, I did want to be a fashion designer. Oh I, yeah, though I had that face yeah, as well. Yeah, I had uh, my label was called Lexi, and mm. the L was like a flower. I did the logo and everything. The logo was better than the designs that I did. In my head, you did it on one of those like uh, purple plastic sketchbook sketch things that 
girls were advertised in the mm. 90s. Oh, years, so. no. Just I lined a, paper. I had every <laughs> paper. Yeah. And all my designs were based on Tudor codes because I was always a nerd. Uh, because of course they were. And then I briefly wanted to be an interior designer as well. Oh, I think I... Ha- mm. I have no art skills. I don't know where all only this when came I, from. No, only when I watched Changing Rooms yeah. that I thought that. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure um, it was Changing Rooms and The Sims. Yeah. Um, Give me some MDF. Sort yeah, right MDF out. sorted. <laughs> uh, and then and Sims, yeah. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to work in theatre. And uh, my main thing that I always wanted is I wanted to be Doctor Who. So we're going to take a short break, but we'll be back after the break to talk more about the gender pay gap, perhaps less about our childhood aspirations um, and more about wine. So we'll be back in a bit. Bye. Bye. So we're back after what has been potentially the longest grape culture break that we've ever had. It's been <laughs> oh about gosh, an hour. Not that you guys know. No, but it has been an hour. Um, thanks to the magic of editing, you won't have to listen to all of that. And Alex, in the meantime, went to the shop to buy us <laughs> some more wine. And because, some crisps. Because apparently three bottles wasn't enough. And some crisps. Uh, and then two bottles on the show. And now we're about to start our fourth. But before we do that... <laughs> We have to rate, or not rate, we have to talk about the timekeeper, £3.50 horrificness that we've just put into our bodies. Um, Red and white. Red and white, sans grape. Um, I Imported grape juice. Only 8% though, that's probably why we need to get more wine. Um, Right, so let's talk about the white first because alex picked up her bottle first True so in the crystal maze she wins um <laughs> alex tell us about the white um it was fine it was i think that's all we can say it it didn't make me feel merry it did cardinal sin uh, it just great name for a white i think if i if i ordered this as a house white which it obviously would be I would be I'd like, still be disappointed. This is know, a bit I... gross, and I will get a different glass next time I go to the bar. I'd I don't think I don't think it'd ever be yeah, a I'd housewife. Cook with it. I'd cook yeah. with it. Like I don't think this is good enough to be in a pub. I think this no. is this is table wine at a wedding of people you don't really like that much. And or also uh, like for a fucking punch or whatever, you know, like yeah, some yeah, kind yeah. of this is Christmas party wine. Christmas party wine. Christmas party wine. Do you agree when it comes to the red, Kim? Yes, but also Tooting Kim Moon. Tooting Kim Moon. That's it. Ow! (laughs) Kim Moon! Suck it up. (laughs) A man could take it. That's where they get paid more. Yes, I do agree when it comes to the red. The red is bland and... I want to say inoffensive, but it was actually quite offensive. Basic. It tasted a little bit like alcohol-free wine. Which it was not. Which isn't a good thing. But for us, 8% is basically alcohol-free. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've just had some squash. I feel like I need to brush my teeth several times. It just felt... It Rubby. didn't taste of anything particularly except, like, back notes of bitter Oof. and top notes of... Sad. Not, not a winner overall. Anyway, in that case. but you know, business we... related, which helps, I guess. Gender yeah. pay gap. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so basically, you mean you mean it's there. It's not very nice, um, but it's it anyway. better than nothing. <laughs> but much like every Christmas party, there is cheap prosecco. 
Which nice. Alex has just gone and purchased for us. Mm-hmm. Cheers! <laughs> <laughs> you said oh. that was such a plum. <laughs> Hang on. She's a plum. <laughs> so the gender pay gap, we've talked a bit about what it is, what it means, why people have said it exists, even though a lot of those reasons are near bullshit. And we've gone off on many tangents. We have gone off on many tangents. But what can we, as people, as feminists, as women in the workplace, actually fucking do about it? This is a little bit where I can talk about where I currently work. Because... Um, HR? Yes. I, I have transitioned quite thoroughly into HR and payroll. Where before it was always like a part of my job because I just did general admin. Like it's very strongly part of my job now. General admin. General admin. So now I am part of that conversation a little bit more. And obviously I have no say about what anyone makes or anything along those lines. But um, part of it is if you are, if it is visible to you, have those conversations with the people you work with. Because... Separate to um, the gender pay gap, but we also have had discussions recently about um, how you go about encouraging diversity and maintaining equality in a workplace without veering into positive discrimination or negative discrimination. Um, Positive discrimination is when you like say, we really want to hire black people. You can't do that. Positive discrimination, negative discrimination, uh, asking people about protected characteristics, which includes um, sex and gender and uh, ethnicity, and so on and so forth. So we've been having a lot of those discussions, but having those discussions about how to address that question and how to self-report and doing it for the right reasons is part of it, because our ultimate um, conclusion, and it's been my conclusion in situations where i've had this conversation before is no one's expecting you to be perfect overnight and exactly align with everything overnight and i think this is this is particularly true in a lot of the discussions that have been had around publishing in the uk and publishing in america where um i listen to a lot of podcasts about that and about the the gender pay gap and um the uh bme mm-hmm um like differentials in those industries b-a-n-e b-a-n-e yeah um bing which is that no one's expecting you to be perfect overnight but you have to at least like you have to be considering it and you have to be thinking about how you can do it and you have to be doing the best that you can do and doing it for the right reasons and that's that's the key thing is that at least for me and the way that i feel about it is that everyone that i've had this discussion with in any position of being able to do anything about it um, outside of my job, although uh, yeah, I'm not going too far into what has been talked about. Um, but everyone that I've spoken to is doing it for the right reasons. Don't do it because it's woke. Do it because it's the right thing to do. But having those conversations is the first step. Acknowledge the problem. It's, uh, it's silly and it's cliche, but it's true that like the first step to solving a problem is admitting that you have a problem or at least considering that you might have a problem 
And would you feel confident enough? I obviously don't really know the dynamics in your workforce. Um, would you feel confident enough taking that conversation to the top? I would in my current employment, but that is all I will say. Okay. I suppose the reason I asked about would you feel confident taking that to the top because I think there's so many people that um, and people like us and everything that obviously are well-meaning and have those conversations together. Unfortunately, sometimes those conversations aren't discussed in. I think also like we don't necessarily work uh, for companies that are like have a workforce of like a hundred thousand people and stuff mm. like that. We're not working um, for big farmer. Exactly. Like, like it's we don't not, work it's for not, Google. Yeah, it's not massive boardrooms of all the people sat there that have no understanding of the workforce that are below them. Yeah. Um which is maybe where those conversations need to be taken. I don't really know what like it's hard because they I think the answer I'm not taking anything away from you, Kim, saying that the conversation needs to be had is the answer. But I oh, think it's not the so, answer, it's the first no, step. One, yeah, one of the first steps. But I feel like that's usually my response to a lot of things. And I and I think that is so true. But I, I don't know what... I don't know. I, I don't know what we could do that is more, pro, like... Proactive. Proactive, we can, yeah. I think we can it's... write about it. We can protest about it. We can talk about it. I feel yeah, like talking talk, about it talk like about we're talking it. about it now. Yeah. Not letting the matter rest. Fighting for your fair, fair due. Encouraging people to fight for their fair due. And encouraging people to enter the workforce. And as one of the articles pointed out, encouraging a more flexible working pattern allows for the... Um, the problems that can be had with childcare and and people taking part-time lower paying jobs close to their home so that they're closer to their children which i know is an issue that's that's a big part but what what can we do in terms of like the conflict so like sam you touched on it and kim you kind of vaguely touched on it as well like um and i suppose fortunately i haven't felt that way but like going for an interview and being up against men and stuff like that what can we do in terms of instilling more confidence in women to ask for that pay rise to go for those roles that maybe are they feel like might be out of their reach to you know yeah i i think um i think that's kind of one side of things which is more complicated and i mm. will probably touch on it in a minute but i think my main takeaway for this on my main advice or whatever is that not not our generation and generations above us are lost causes because I don't think that's the case. But I there's do... no point. Give up. <coughs> there's fuck all point. But I think it's a lot easier when you have a message instilled in you from a younger age to believe in that message. And I think like the baby to people, grows and stuff. Like the baby grows exactly. And I think people with children need to think about more consciously about what the messages they're giving to their children are about the place of men and women as they're not separate entities in the workforce yeah. they're a workforce you yeah. gender doesn't matter in the workforce it shouldn't yeah. matter i don't think um so i, I think, think that that's is getting better. i think yeah. that is getting better i think it is but i also think that people need to but it's subconscious it's these messages and it's this check yourself like when mm. you think about with language as well when you think about language that's what we talked yes, about earlier exactly it's what we talked about earlier when you think Again, when you even and it, this doesn't just—it's not just applicable to people with kids or people in education or whatever. 
Um, it is applicable to people in our position who are older, who are younger, whatever. But when you think about someone you're working with, whatever position they're in, if the f- if their gender comes into what you're thinking, then it's an ingrained reaction because that's just what you... You can't help your ingrained reactions, but you can help how you respond to them. Yeah. And I think you need to think about why you think about someone in the way that you mm. do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important. Yes. Something you said there, though, about, like, that we need to work on the future generations reminded me of a business book that I read earlier on in the year, which is called Smarter Gets Things Done, which is specifically about hiring um, software developers and how to hire the best okay. software developer that you can hire. Um, notoriously a difficult uh, hire because once you because of the boom of technology, really, really good software developers find a job at Google and stay there for 20 years. Like, they and get... also a lot of people go into it for easy money. Yeah, it's very competitive yeah. and it's very difficult to get the best people. Um, and one of the things that came from that, which I think is a really good... And, and the, the beauty of this conversation is... Like, the beauty of this book is that it's not just about software developers. Like, it ostensibly is, but it is definitely applicable to any niche or any specialised environment that you want to encourage people. And I think that it could be equally applied to creatives and um, and even, you know, administrative. I say even. There's me doing that, of course, thing. But, like, every... I think every branch of industry can, can be used by this. Um, although it is definitely more directed at specialist skills. Is starting really, really early to reach out to these people before it's ever going to make you any money. And by that I mean, um, you're obviously trying to hire someone now. You you have a job, it needs to be done. You are looking, you have your job off on Indeed, you're trying to hire people now. But whilst you're doing that, you also need to be having your staff, your visionaries, your sales pitch reaching out to schools to universities mm. starting internships starting courses starting after work after school nurturing. clubs nurturing exactly because if you go into a if you go into a secondary school and you run an after school or into lunch program about like this is actually what theater production is like mm. and then you get to university and you say well we will do. We will offer you a paid month in- internship over the summer for theatre. Like, if you're interested in theatre production, those are the people that are going to leave university and go. I want to work in that. Or they're going to be the people that you leave university and go. I remember that company. I've made a fuck ton of money selling. I don't know Bitcoin or whatever the fuck it is now. I'm going to invest in that company that was so good and really shaping people's mind. And you, the further, the deep, like the further you go back, the better. Because I can think of so many experiences that shaped the things that I'm interested in and the things that I spend my money on and my time on now as an adult that started when I was a small, small child. Like, I mean, you only need to look around my flat to know that early reading was a big influence and that was probably inspired by those book fairs that you get where you fill out the... the Oh my God, Scholastic Book Fairs. Right? One of the fucking best things in the world. They were great. But... Give me all the goosebumps. (laughs) 
you know what I do now? I look into how I can donate money to book charities that give books to children because it inspires. It's starting young and it's not just about is this going to make me money now but it's is this going to encourage people and obviously in this situation we're specifically talking about young women um to either be involved and study and become qualified in these roles and enter these workforces that are um underserved and where the biggest pay gap is and i think that we can all agree that it's known despite the of courseness about it it's known that stem industry is where the biggest gender pay gap is um because of course women are interested in the arts blah 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 but even then encourage young people and in particular young women that everything is open to them that if they want to be involved in the arts they'll be involved in the arts and it builds confidence it builds knowledge it builds interest and even if none of those things lead to them getting a management position it may lead to them getting winning the lottery and giving the local theater 100 grand just to like do the best thing ever yeah having the confidence to go for those roles yeah exactly that's the thing building the confidence building the knowledge you build the knowledge about something you are more knowledgeable when you go into an interview even building doing workshops about interview skills and realizing what they're worth all of that stuff feeds into making 10 years from now the workforce equal so that brings us to the end of the show. But before we go, we have to do the uh, rating of the wine. We don't have a book or a film or a TV show. So it's the wine, which I also is... think we can all confidently rate the gender pay gap. And... <laughs> so. Oh, shit. so the two wines we had tonight were, well, <laughs> two of the four wines we had tonight were the Timekeeper Red and White. <laughs> they also have a rosé and a blush, as I know when I went Ooh, to pick up the wine earlier. What's the difference between rosé and blush? The rosé was very Colour. aggressively pink, like a sore bellend. Oh. The... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and what's oh. the blush? Like a mildly stinging bellend. Oh. Like a lovely vulva. <laughs> unaroused. Unaroused. An unaroused vulva. A vulva at rest. Um... <laughs> But we didn't have those, we just had the red and the white, neither of which look like genitals. So (laughs) we are going to go for um Kim. No, you're laughing too much. Alex, the white first. Uh, I'm not gonna give it much description because it doesn't have much description on the back of it and Or in your mouth. Yeah. (laughs) In my mouth there was none. So I'm gonna give it a one point five. Um I I don't think it's as low as 1.5 just because of the the price and the fact I wasn't... I didn't hate it. I'm not going to go out and be like, oh my God, I need to buy that again. It was so good. Actually, no, maybe I will give it 1.5. I'm trying to think in terms of... I'm trying to keep it all relative to other wines we've had on the podcast. Treat it like the Bake Off. Don't use the previous weeks. Okay, just for... Individual. In Bake Off terms, just for tonight, I'm going to give it a 1. Ooh. That's even lower. Yes, but relatively, I would have given it a two. 
because compared to other wines that we've paid more money for, for today have been significantly shitter. But for today, one. One grape. Yeah, fair enough. A singular, sad, withered grape upon a vine. Yeah. Can it be a frozen grape? Because that's plump. No. Mm. It's going to be like a raisin. That sad. you found in your shoe? Sad. Um, it was just bland and sad and reminded me too much of... Someone I went to uni with, yeah. Yeah, that too. Um, I was going to say non-alcohol wine that I've had in the past. Um, look for it, January listeners. Um, <laughs> for people who can't see, Kim just did a click and point <laughs> at the microphone. Um, yeah, it was just sad. And the more I drank it, the less good it became. So I'm going to go 1.5 just because I think that I might be a little bit done. <laughs> And I don't want to be unfair, so I'm going 1.5. So you would have gone lower. So that's you being generous. Yeah, that's me being okay. generous. All right, well. Uh, one, a 1.5, and a 1.5 for the timekeeper. £3.50 non-specific wine. Sad wedding wine that you of people that you don't really like. Yes. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of this week's show. If you want to check us out on social media, we are on Instagram at Grape Culture Podcast. We are on Twitter at Grape Culture Pod. Or you can go to our website, which is www.grapeculturepodcast.co.uk. Or if you want to ask us a question or give us some feedback, you can also email us. We are grapeculturepodcast at gmail.com. If you're listening on an Apple device, please don't forget to give us a rating out of five, um, much like our grapes, and potentially leave us a review because we love to know what you think. And don't forget to come back in two weeks' time and we will have a brand new episode for you. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.